Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion in Alabama Association of Realtors versus Department of Health and Human Services on application to vacate stay, August 26, 2021. This is a per curiam opinion, and there is no syllabus, but it's only eight pages, so we're going to go ahead and read it. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast or support me as I work my way through the second year of law school, please stay tuned to the end of the podcast. The director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, has imposed a nationwide moratorium on evictions of any tenants who live in a county that is experiencing substantial or high levels of COVID-19 transmission and who make certain declarations of financial need. That's uh, 86 Federal Register 4. 3244. The Alabama Association of Realtors, along with other plaintiffs, obtained a judgment for the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia from the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, vacating the moratorium on the ground that it is unlawful. But the District Court stayed its judgment while the government pursued an appeal. We vacate that stay, rendering the judgment enforceable the district court produced a comprehensive opinion concluding that the statute on which the CDC relies does not grant it the authority it claims. The case has been thoroughly briefed before us, twice, and careful review of that record makes clear that the applicants are virtually certain to succeed on the merits of their argument that the CDC has exceeded its authority. It would be one thing if Congress had specifically authorized the action that the CDC has taken, but that has not happened. Instead, the CDC has imposed a nationwide moratorium on evictions in reliance on a decades-old statute that authorizes it to implement measures like fumigation and pest extermination. It strains credulity to believe that this statute grants the CDC the sweeping authority that it asserts. Now we're on to um, 1A. In March 2020, Congress passed the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, Economic Security Act to alleviate burdens caused by the burgeoning COVID-19 pandemic. Among other relief programs, the act imposed a 120-day eviction moratorium for properties that participated in federal assistance programs or were subject to federally-backed loans. That's um, Section 4024 at uh, 492 to 494. When the eviction moratorium expired in July, Congress did not renew it. Concluding that further action was needed, the CDC decided to do what Congress had not. See um, 85 Federal Register 55-292. The new, administratively imposed moratorium went further than its statutory predecessor, covering all residential properties nationwide in imposing criminal penalties on violators. See um, 55.293 and 55.296. The CDC's moratorium was originally slated to expire on December 31, 2020. That's uh, C55.297. Those last ones were all um, 85 Federal Register. But Congress extended it for one month as part of the second COVID-19 Relief Act. Um, see Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. And that would be Section 502. 
at 134 statutory, 2078 and 2079. As the new deadline approached, the CDC again took matters into its own hands, extending its moratorium through March, then again through June, and ultimately through July. It's 86 Federal Register, 8020 and 16731 and 34010. The CDC relied on Section 361A of the Public Health Service Act for authority to promulgate and extend the eviction moratorium. Uh, C42 USC Section 264A. That provision states, the Surgeon General, with the approval of the Secretary of Health and Human Services, is authorized to make and enforce such regulations as in his judgment are necessary to prevent the introduction, transmission, or spread of communicable diseases from foreign countries into the states or possessions, or from one state or possession into another state or possession. For purposes of carrying out and enforcing such regulations, the Surgeon General may provide for such inspection fumigation, disinfection, sanitation, pest extermination, destruction of animals or articles to be found or articles found to be so infected or contaminated as to be the sources of danger, or sorry, sources of dangerous infection to human beings and other measures as in his judgment may be necessary. See also 42 CFR section 70.2, that's 2020, delegating this authority to the CDC. Originally passed in 1944, this provision has rarely been invoked and never before to justify an eviction moratorium. Regulations under this authority have generally been limited to quarantining infected individuals and prohibiting the import or sale of animals known to transmit disease. See, for example, 40 Federal Register 22543, that's 1975, banning small turtles known to be carriers of salmonella. We're on to Section B. Realtor associations and rental property managers in Alabama and Georgia sued to enjoin the CDC's moratorium. The U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia granted the plaintiff's summary judgment holding that the CDC lacks statutory authority to impose the moratorium. That's uh, the same case from, uh, quoting the same case from Lower. But the court stayed its order pending appeal. It reasoned that even though the government had not shown a substantial likelihood of success, it did make a lesser showing of a serious legal question on the merits, which the court said warranted granting a stay when the remaining stay factors weighed in the government's favor. That's, again, citing the case below. Uh, see also Enken versus Holder, um, listing the four traditional stay factors. One, whether the stay applicant has made a strong showing that he is likely to su succeed on the merits. Two, whether the applicant will be irreparably injured absent a stay. Three, whether issuance of the stay will substantially injure the other parties interested in the proceeding. And four, whether the public interest lies. Citation omitted. The D.C. Circuit agreed, though it rated the government's arguments more highly. 
Alabama Association of Realtors. Oh, it's, yeah, citing the case below again. This court declined to vacate the stay. Citing the case below again. Justice Kavanaugh concurred, explaining that he agreed with the district court that the CDC's moratorium exceeded its statutory authority. But because the CDC planned to end the moratorium in only a few weeks, and because that time would allow for additional and more orderly distribution of congressionally, congressionally appropriated rental assistance funds, he concluded that the balance of equities justified leaving the stay in place. Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, Justice Gorsuch, and Justice Barrett noted they would vacate the stay. The moratorium expired on July 31, 2021. Three days later, the CDC reimposed it. See 86 Federal Register 43244. Apart from slightly narrowing the geographic scope, the new moratorium is indistinguishable from the old. With the moratorium once again in place, the plaintiffs returned to the district court to seek vacator of its stay. The district court agreed with the plaintiffs that the stay was no longer warranted for two reasons. First, the government was unlikely to was unlikely to succeed on the merits, given the four votes to vacate the stay in this court and Justice Kavanaugh's concurring opinion. Uh, second, the equities had shifted in the plaintiff's favor. Vaccine and rental assistance distribution had improved since the stay was entered, while the harm to landlords had continued to increase. But the court concluded that its hands were tied by the law of the case in light of the D.C. Circuit's earlier decision not to vacate the stay. That denial was followed by one more stop at the D.C. Circuit, where that court again declined to lift the stay. Having passed through the lower courts twice, the plaintiffs return as applicants to this court to again ask us to vacate the district court's stay. Here's section two. The district court concluded that its stay is no longer justified under the governing four-factor test. See in Ken versus Holder. We agree. And now on to A. The applicants not only have a substantial likelihood of success on the merits, it is difficult to imagine them losing. The government contends that the first sentence of Section 36, 361A gives the CDC broad authority to take whatever measures it deems necessary to control the spread of COVID-19, including issuing the moratorium but the second sentence informs the grant of authority by illustrating the kinds of measures that could be necessary. Inspection, fumigation, disinfection, sanitization, pest extermination, and destruction of contaminated animals and articles. These measures directly relate to preventing the interstate spread of disease by identifying, isolating, and destroying the disease itself. The CDC's moratorium, on the other hand, relates to interstate infection far more indirectly. If evictions occur, some subset of tenants might move from one state to another, and some subset of that group might do so while infected with COVID-19. See 86 Federal Register 43248 to 43249. 
This downstream connection between eviction and the interstate spread of disease is markedly different from the direct targeting of disease that characterizes the measures identified in the statute. Reading both sentences together, rather than the first in isolation, it is a stretch to maintain that Section 361A gives the CDC the authority to impose this eviction moratorium. Even if the text were ambiguous, the sheer scope of the CDC's claimed authority under Section 361A would counsel against the government's interpretation. We expect Congress to speak clearly when authorizing an agency to exercise powers of vast economic and political significance. That's Utility Air Regulatory Group versus the EPA. Quoting FDA versus Brown and Williamson Tobacco Corporation. That is exactly the kind of power that the CDC claims here. At least 80% of the country, including between 6 and 17 million tenants at risk of eviction, falls within the moratorium. See response and opposition at 26 and 29. While the parties dispute the financial burden on landlords, Congress has provided nearly $50 billion in emergency rental assistance, a reasonable proxy of the moratorium's economic impact. See 86 Federal Register 43247. And the issues at stake are not merely financial. The moratorium intrudes into an area that is the particular domain of state law, landlord, the landlord-tenant relationship. See Lindsay versus Normit. Our precedents require Congress to enact exceedingly clear language if it wishes to significantly alter the balance between federal and state power and the power of the government over private property. Some United States Forest Service versus Cow Pasture River Preservation Association. Indeed, the government's read of Section 361A would give the CDC a breathtaking amount of authority. It is hard to see what measures this interpretation would place outside the CDC's reach, and the government has identified no limit in Section 361A beyond the requirement that the CDC deem a measure necessary. Some 42 U.S.C. Section 264A and 42 CFR Section 70.2. Could the CDC, for example, mandate free grocery delivery to the homes of sick or vulnerable? Require manufacturers to provide free computers to enable people to work from home? Order telecommunications companies to provide free high-speed internet services to facilitate remote work? This claim of expansive authority under Section 361A is unprecedented. Since that provision's enactment in 1944, No regulation premised on it has even begun to approach the size or scope of the eviction moratorium, and it is further amplified by the CDC's decision to impose criminal penalties up to $250,000 fine, or sorry, up to a $250,000 fine and one year in jail on those who violate the moratorium. See 86 Federal Register 43252 and 42 CFR 70.18a. Section 361a is a wafer-thin read on which to rest such a sweeping power. On to section b. 
the equities do not justify depriving the applicants of the district court's judgment in their favor. The moratorium has put the applicants, along with the millions of landlords across the country, at risk of irreparable harm by depriving them of rent payments with no guarantee of eventual recovery. Despite the CDC's determination that landlords should bear a significant financial cost of the pandemic, many landlords have modest means, and preventing them from evicting tenants who breach their leases intrudes on one of the most fundamental elements of property ownership, the right to exclude. See Loretto v. Teleprompter Manhattan CATV Corporation. As harm to the applicants has increased, the government's interests have decreased. Since the district court entered its stay, the government has had three additional months to distribute rental assistance funds to help ease the transition away from the moratorium. Whatever interest the government had in maintaining the moratorium's original end date to ensure the orderly administration of those programs has since diminished, and Congress was on notice that a further extension would almost surely require new legislation, yet it failed to act in the several weeks leading up to the moratorium's expiration. It is indisputable that the public has a strong interest in combating the spread of COVID-19 Delta variant, but our system does not permit agencies to act unlawfully, even in pursuit of desirable ends. CF Youngstown Sheet and Tube versus Sawyer concluding that even the government's belief that its action was necessary to avert a national catastrophe could not overcome a lack of congressional authorization. It is up to Congress, not the CDC, to decide where the public interest merits further action here. If a federally imposed eviction moratorium is to continue, Congress must specifically authorize it. The application to vacate stay presented to the Chief Justice and by him referred to the court is granted. It is so ordered. Thank you again for listening. If you'd like to support me as I work my way through my second year of law school, you can find a PayPal link in the show notes. Find me on Venmo, Cash App, um, and I think I'm still on Patreon. Uh, Beyond that, have a nice rest of your day.